Thanks for joining us on the Authentic Church Podcast. Let's jump right into this week's message. That also means today we are ending our series titled Waiting on Grace. Waiting on Grace. The last two weeks have been very powerful. What have we learned? We have learned that the goodness of God's grace is not dependent upon your environment. The goodness of God's grace is not dependent upon what your life looks like, what your family life looks like, what your day looks like. No, the goodness of God's grace will always be dependent upon his character. And the word of God tells us that God is love. Without God, there is no love. And he's a merciful God. He's a loving God that shows us amazing grace. And the biblical definition of grace is the undeserved favor of God for salvation. Keyword, undeserved. We don't deserve it. There is nothing that we can accomplish to deserve this grace. God gives it freely as long as you believe in what he did for you. He's asking you today to accept the gift that he has for your life. Paul said it best in Romans chapter 5, verse 8. He said, but God showed his love for us by sending Jesus Christ, to die for us while we were still sinners. And he's making it known that God already had this plan of redemption for your life while you were still in sin, while you were still living in a rebellious life or walking away from God. God already had a plan to redeem you and to restore you in a gift for you. And by the grace of God, because we fall short every single day, God forgives us over and over and over again. And it's life-changing. It is a gift that I'd never want to take for granted. That no matter how far we have gone in the past, God can bring us back in the moment. But the most important thing is he wants to change your heart. He wants to change your mind, which is true repentance. And last week, we also learned that your faith will be tested in the valley. You're going to go through trials. There will be ups and downs in life. But God will never ask you to go through the valley alone. He will always be with you. And even in the darkest moments, there can be peace. Where does that peace come from? Not from this world. It comes only from the Father, from the Spirit of God. Psalm chapter 23, verse 4. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. Why? Because you are close beside me. And your rod and your staff protect me. And comfort me that even in the darkest trials of life, God, you are with me, you protect me, and you bring me comfort. And because of that, I will praise your name forever. You are never, ever alone. But today, today's a little difficult. This may be the most challenging message out of this series because let's be honest with each other. It is easy to accept the grace of God. It is. A lot of us come here to encounter God. We want an encounter with God. We want to encounter his grace and his forgiveness and his love. Most likely, that's the reason why you showed up today, to know how good he is. And so it's easy to accept his grace. Thank you, God, for loving me and forgiving me. Hallelujah. But God has not only called you to accept his grace. Listen, he's called you to give grace. That's where it gets difficult. God has called you not only to accept his grace, but to give his grace. And it's so funny because we will shout hallelujah for accepting it and forgiveness, but forgive somebody else. Let's talk about it, God. Let's just, 
Let's just make sure we're talking about the same person here because they really hurt me. And it can be tricky. You had a best friend that told some of your darkest secrets. Now your reputation is ruined. And what do we say? You're dead to me. You ever said that before? You were dead to me. Bye, Felicia. It's done. Like, I don't want anything to do with you anymore. Or maybe even your workplace, you've had somebody steal the credit for the job that you did, right? You did all this work and you went beyond and, and, and nobody saw it, but they saw them. And so they got all the credit and they're acting like they get the reward. And you're thinking like, man, they didn't do nothing. That's me. I should get the recognition. Or you financially help somebody even when you didn't have it. But by grace, you wanted to show God's love. And what did they do? They stole your bank account number. They drained your bank account. And now you don't have money for you and your child. Nobody messes with you and your child, right? And so what do we do? We get angry, upset. For that type of person, there should be a special place in You ever said something like that before? Let me really ask you a serious question. Who has hurt you so bad, betrayed you in such a way that you would actually wish them an eternity in hell? This is why it's difficult. Because God has given you grace. But God is also challenging you today to give that grace out. And Jesus had a clear warning about when we judge people, when we condemn people. Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 4. Do not judge others, and you will not be judged. For you will be treated as you treat others. How did you treat people this week? All right. For the standard that you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. Now, don't stop there because here's the big one. Why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? But pastor, that's not fair because I'm nothing like them. That's what we say to ourselves, right? Because again, we put sin on different levels in our head. I never went that far. I never said that. I'm not like them. But the truth is all sin is equal in the eyes of God. Maybe not to the world's standards, but in the eyes of God, we all fall short. Every one of us, every one of us, including myself, we all fall short. Romans chapter 3, verse 23, for everyone has sinned and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. And so what happens is a lot of us say, you know what? There's no way, though, I can show them grace. They turn their back on me. But how many times have you turned your back on God? How many times have you walked away when God said, don't go there, don't hang out with this person, that relationship is is destruction, stay away, and you said, no, God, I want to do my thing. Has God ever rejected you? No. Has he ever told you to go away? No. Every single time, if your heart was in the right place, repentance brought change, God would allow his amazing gift of grace to flow upon you. And the Bible says it overflows nonstop. That you have a seat. Remember, you have a seat at the table of Jesus. We'll accept it. Why can't we give it? 
And so I want us to look closely at the word today because here is my warning for you. What you allow into your life can stay with you for all eternity, okay? What demons you allow into your life will not only taunt you in this world because when you don't show grace, when you don't show forgiveness, it is destruction upon yourself. It is self-inflicted pain. And these demons will not only torture you in this world, but also afterward. All right? So God has given us this, this grace, this amazing gift, and he wants us to give it out to live a better life as well. So the title of today's message is this, giving grace. Giving grace. How do we give grace when it's hard? So if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18, majority of the sermon will be in this chapter, verses 21 through 35. And in this story, Peter has come to Jesus. He's come to Christ asking Jesus, how many times should I forgive somebody? And we've been over this before, but I'm going to give you some new revelations today. We're going to dive deeper into it. It's going to be really good. Okay, so let's look at it together. Matthew chapter 18, verse 21 and 22 will also be on the screen. Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive somebody who sins against me? And then he said, seven times. Now, in my head, though, I see Peter as saying it like, like this, like seven times. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like seven times. I could do that. That's fine with me. And Jesus says, no, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. All right. So the pastor is saying that I can forgive somebody 490 times, and then after that, I can do whatever I want? Is that what Jesus is saying? Not at all. Not at all. So I want to give you two revelations today already in this passage of Scripture. We just started. But the first revelation is this. In those days, the Pharisees taught you could only forgive somebody three times. Maybe you didn't know that before. But the Pharisees actually taught in those days, you only had to forgive somebody three times. After that, you're good. You are good. Do whatever you wanted to do. And they believed that God did the same. Which also, man, it shows the pride that the Pharisees had. Thinking of themselves worthy enough to only sin three times. To only mess up three times. And that's why they walked around the way that they did and judged everybody else. But again, Jesus said, no, 70 times seven. And so they got this misunderstanding, though, from a, a passage of scripture out of the book of Amos. So let's look together. Amos chapter one, verse three. This is what the Lord says. For three sins of Damascus, even for four, I will not relent because she threshed Gilead with sledges having iron teeth. And so Amos, the prophet Amos, was repeating this judgment from God over and over again. And so the Pharisees taught from this passage of Scripture, they, they twisted it and said that God will only forgive and three times and, and that's it. And so think about this, because now it brings a new revelation. Because when we hear Peter say seven times, we're like, Peter, seven, like, what's wrong with you? We all know God keeps forgiving. But at that time, it was, it was new. You get it? And so Peter showing up to Jesus saying seven times, he was trying to look good. He was like, don't worry, Jesus, I will forgive at least seven times. I know the Bible says three, and Jesus said the Bible doesn't say three. He's like, what? What do you mean? And Jesus said, keep forgiving, forgiving, forgiving. Because think about it. 
If we really counted how many times people messed with us, you know how challenging that would be? Like, think about it, seriously. Hey, dear, it's okay. I love you. I forgive you. I know you had a hard day. 489, all right? <laughs> One more time. I'm kicking you out. Like, it's done, all right? Think of that. So Jesus is saying this. Listen, let me make it very clear. Forgive. Then forgive again. And then forgive again. And then keep forgiving. And never focus on stopping. That's what Jesus was saying to him. Never stop forgiving. Never stop showing grace and mercy because the grace of God for us overflows every single day. That was the first revelation. The second revelation was this, and we have talked about this before, is Peter would soon understand the importance of forgiveness. Peter would need that forgiveness. I think it's fascinating that it's Peter asking this question. Peter. And if you know the character of Peter, he's one of those guys, like if you're about to get into a fight, you want him beside you. He was a loudmouth, right? He was protective. Jesus, I will never do anything to you. I will always be there. I will stand up for you. And Jesus had to rebuke him. There was a time that Jesus actually had to say, get behind me, Satan, right? You think you're protecting me. And God said, Jesus said, you don't, you don't protect me. I don't need your protection. I can call a thousand angels or even more to come rescue me right now. I don't need that. But I need you to obey. And so Peter said, no, 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 Lord. I will never deny you. And so get this. He was so prideful and stubborn in his own control that he didn't believe Jesus. When Jesus said, hey, you're going to deny me three times. He told Jesus, no, I will never do that. And sometimes God is going to reveal to you the days coming may be hard. The devil's planning against you. But God may be saying, even in the darkest valley, you're not alone. But there will be times you fail. There will be times that you mess up because you're human. And God is stating, stating I will always pick you up and guide you closer. And you will become stronger because of me. But you have to let go of control. You try to control things, things get out of whack, right? And so Peter needed this revelation, and, it's, and then we see that Peter denied Jesus three times, and imagine how devastating that was for him. I mean, he took pride in himself for standing up for Jesus, and now he denied him three times. And so when Jesus rises from the dead, I love this picture, because when Peter hears that Jesus is back, he leaps out of the boat. He gets out of the boat into the water. Why? Because he needs amazing grace. Because he needs that forgiveness in that moment. He needs Jesus again because he messed up. See, Peter would learn how amazing grace truly is. John chapter 21, verse 7. It's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic and he jumped into the water and he headed to the shore. But we ask ourselves this question. How many times do I show somebody grace? How many times should I forgive somebody? When is it enough? And so that's not the question we should be asking. The question we should be asking as a church is why would God want us to show grace at all to anybody else? 
Why would God want you to show his love and mercy to anybody else, especially if somebody has wronged you? And so Jesus goes into this parable, and I believe he teaches us why. So let's continue the passage. Matthew chapter 18, 23 23 through 26. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. Now, the king represents God in this story. In the process, one of the debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. Now, some translations stated in the Greek it's 10,000 talents. This means he owed $10 million. Uh, It's not just a million. It's not just a few million. It is $10 million that this man owes the king. It is a debt that he cannot pay back. And Jesus makes that clear. Jesus said he could not pay. And so his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything that he owned to be able to pay off this debt. And this was also something very common in the culture in that day. If somebody owed a tremendous debt to the king, they could be taken to prison. Or they could be sold as a slave, but not only them, their family would also be sold as slaves. Their possessions would be sold. Everything would be gone. You literally lose your life. You lose everything that you love the most when you were in this type of debt. And some of you know, some of you have been there before already. Some of you know the pressures of creditors calling you and and being in bondage of these things. And so this man is seeing his life being taken away before the king. But remember, the king here represents God. But the man in debt represents us because of our sin. It is a high price that none of us could ever pay in full. None of us have it. We can't do anything to pay that off. But then it states that the man fell down before his master. And listen, he begged him. Now listen to the wording. Please be patient with me and I will pay it. And then it says that the master, filled with pity for him, released him and forgave his debt. Ten million dollars. Some of y'all are like, hey, where's my five dollars from last week? Like, you still owe me a burger. You know what I'm talking about, right? $10 million. This is huge, especially at that time, because this is a huge slap in the face for the king, for himself. This is a financial hit for himself, but he's taking on that price to pay off the debt. For God took on that price for us, and he gave his one and only son to die on the cross to pay the price that we never could. And he did that because of his love and grace. And it's in those moments our our life is changed forever. But sadly, we accept the grace, yet we don't give it out. And that's what's sad about this story. Because immediately Jesus tells us that this man was released. He was forgiven. His his debt was forgiven. And then it says, it says in, in verses 28 through 34 that when the man left the king, and it's like he immediately went to somebody else. He went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. So I want you to see this picture very clearly now. This man only owes him a few thousand dollars. He owed the king $10 million. And when he goes to this man, guess what? He grabs him by the throat and demanded instant payment. And his fellow servant fell down before him 
And he begged for a little more time. Notice the words that this man is stating to him because it's the same words that he had said to the king. He said, be patient with me for I will pay it, he pleaded. But the creditor would not wait. And he had the man arrested and put into prison until the debt could be paid in full. How many times have we done such a thing? Because we read this story and we're like, there's no way. I would never be that cruel. I could never do something like that. Yet we come in here and we say, God, please forgive me for what I said. And then we go out there and somebody says something against us and we're like, "Uh uh-uh, there's no way. You're done. You're dead to me. And so I want to show you two points that we should learn about grace from this story. And the first point is this, and it's obvious, but it's, it's hypocritical not to show grace. It is hypocritical not to show grace. This is what Jesus was talking about to the Pharisees when they were condemning and judging other people. Matthew 7, 4. Again, why worry about the speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? And do you understand the creditor was so blinded by his own selfishness, he didn't even realize it was like looking in the mirror. He was hearing the exact same words that he just shared with the king. But all he could think was going at the throat and taking this man out. For he said, be patient with me and I will pay it back. And again, we do this all the time. We say this all the time. And here's what I want us to to understand because it could be hard sometimes as a parent. But I've heard so many situations and counseled families where a child grows up resenting their parent because the parent always said, don't do this, don't say that, don't go there, but yet they watched the parent do that over and over and over again. The parent would say, you need to say you're sorry, but yet the parent never said, I'm sorry. And we've talked about that before. If you grew up in an abusive household... Maybe a verbally abusive household or some things happened and and that parent never said, I'm sorry. And you never communicated that hurt. What does it do? Those walls really build up. And then you can't trust anybody anymore. And it's hard to trust people. And if that's how you see your earthly father, there are a lot of people that have a hard time trusting God because of their earthly father or their earthly mother and and just seeing what they've seen in their life. And, And it's hard. How do they trust God? How do they trust the Father if they've seen these bad things in their life? And so I believe that God doesn't want us to be a hypocritical example. And I want to say it like this. Jesus despised a hypocritical spirit, a hypocritical spirit. He called the Pharisees, listen to this. He called the Pharisees, you brood of vipers, seeking poison into everybody else. For he said, Jesus said, they may look good on the outside, but they do not practice what they preach. Here's the truth. Jesus is not just talking about preachers on a stage. Do you practice what you preach? You practice when when you go to work and somebody makes you upset and you've already told them about your church and where you go and what God is doing. Do you practice what you preach when they make you upset? Or in your family life, when you're saying, hey, you need to forgive somebody, yet you haven't spoken to your parents in years, 
Is that the example that you're giving them? And Jesus said, listen, here's, here's what's dangerous about a hypocritical spirit. And we, we see this. If you interact with somebody that is a hypocrite and very judgmental, they seem dead on the inside. Jesus gives this warning because in Matthew chapter 23, there are actually seven woes to a hypocritical spirit. And Jesus said in verse 27, he said, you hypocrites, for you are like a whitewashed tomb. And he says this, listen, beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity. You're dead on the inside. And you've been condemning so many people, you're bringing them down too. Yet you will come in here and just accept the grace of God, yet not give it to anybody else. And so Jesus continues the story in verses 31 through 34. When some of the other servants saw this, guess what? They were very upset. And they went to the king and told him everything that had happened. And the king called the man that he had forgiven. And he said, listen, listen, listen to what he calls him, you evil servant. Let that sink in. You wicked, you evil servant. For me to show you forgiveness, for me to show you grace, for me to release your debt, yet you will not do it to your fellow man. Or a person who said the same thing you said, he said, I forgave you of your tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? It's hypocritical not to forgive or not to show grace. Point two is this. We are ruthless in our judgment because that's our flesh. We want to get even. And again, I'm going to say it over and over again. Sometimes what we think is fair and getting even with somebody can also kill our soul on the inside. And it ruins our heart. It hardens our heart, right? We no longer love people. We no longer show that grace, right? Because what did he do? Immediately when he was freed from his debt, he grabbed the man's throat and demanded instant payment. And people are so cruel today, they are coming for your throat, especially online, right? When people feel like they can hide behind a screen and it's, it's the religious Pharisee spirit sometimes. And it, and it breaks my heart because sometimes it's the most religious people that could be the most harsh and condemning. There, there have been some things that we have shared that has brought people to Christ, yet a hypocritical spirit will just see one little flaw. And that's all they notice instead of the entire message. There are people today that are making a living just dogging everybody else, all these other believers. What kind of ministry is that? You're just condemning people. And then you want people to say, hey, I want to come to Jesus? right? That's your whole livelihood right there. They're coming for the throat. And again, in Matthew chapter 23, verse 15, Jesus said, hey, hypocrites, you cross the land and the sea to make one convert. And then you turn that person into twice the child of hell that you are yourself. Jesus did not hold back. I bet his disciples were like, oh, that's okay. Tell them like it is. That was, that was good. And also, if you look in that chapter, I think it was one of the, it was the last woe. He also said, you hypocrites, you look good on the outside. 
And you do all these things because here's what they were saying. The Pharisees were actually stating that, you know what, if we lived in the days of Moses and we lived in the days of the prophets, we wouldn't have stoned the prophets. We wouldn't have killed them. And Jesus like, you're going to kill me. All you do is condemn. And they never knew the love of God, but yet it was there for them. Jesus didn't take that away from them. Everywhere Jesus went, they were there. They heard the message. They saw the miracles. Even when he rose from the dead, they got together and they conspired. Okay, what can we tell the people? They never wanted to believe because they did not know the love of God because it was their own fault. Their hearts were so hardened because they thought so highly of themselves. They did not want to give anybody grace at all. Do you see how that can destroy your soul, your soul? And I realized that it truly is only God can be in the spotlight. Only God can have the authority and the power that he has because only God can have all that yet show us grace and mercy. And here's a powerful truth that I've realized. You know you have to learn to love people. You know that? And we've talked a little bit about that, but you have to learn to love people. How do you do that? How do you show grace? How do you show mercy? You die to yourself. And a world and a culture telling you to pursue only yourself. God is saying, let yourself die so that you could be reborn. By Christ, not physically taking out your body, but spiritually, your heart being renewed, who you used to be, changed by the glorious power of God through Jesus Christ. And Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 31, he says, I protest, brothers, by my pride in you, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. Listen to what Paul said. I die every day. Paul was a smart dude. He honestly had a lot that would impress the people. He easily could have let pride just take him over. In fact, he's very honest with that. He wrestled with his pride. And that's why he's saying, I have to die to myself every day. I have to put what I want behind me and focus only on God in order to love people. In order to show people grace and mercy, even when they talk bad about me, I have to set my eyes on God and the word of God and what he has for me. Because Paul knows. Paul knows what grace can do. It changed his life forever. And point three is this. Unforgiving spirits inflict torment in your life. When you're not, un- when you're not forgiving and you don't show grace? Matthew chapter 18, verse 34 and 35, Jesus said, Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured. To be tortured. When we don't show grace, we allow ourselves to be tortured, not only in this life, but possibly afterward, if we never know truly who Christ is. And it says, until he paid the entire debt. And Jesus said, that's what my heavenly father will do to you. 
if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. So let's ask the question again. Why would God call you to show grace? Here is the answer. To save your soul from torment on earth and also afterwards. But it's the realization. You, you get like, especially if you're a parent, you love your child and when they make a mistake, it may make you angry in that second, but you still love them and you forgive them. And that's the type of grace that God shows you every single day. But I want to share a story with you about a young boy. And there was a young boy who was struggling with resentment. He was a, a boy that never really shared his emotions he had a hard time sharing his emotions. He was the type of kid that would just smile if he was angry. There were times that his parents would try to talk to him, and he just couldn't talk. It's like he just couldn't let out the emotions. He, he didn't know how. And his family life wasn't perfect, but he knew a lot of love. His family was very loving, but he also had resentment. The reason he had resentment was because of his brother. His brother was about 10 years older than he was. He was somebody he wanted to look up to. He was somebody that came into his life later, and he wanted this role model for himself. But his brother also went through a lot of hardships, a lot of pain. In fact, his, his brother was in a terrible accident. Him and his friend were drunk driving, and they hit another person. That person instantly died. His best friend died in the car wreck as well, and he was the only one that survived. And his face was completely shattered. They had to put plates in his face, and he never looked the same. And from then on, he already struggled a little bit with alcohol, but then he went diving deep into it. And instead of running to God, he ran away from God. And so this is the older brother, and so he started to pursue alcoholism and, and even some other things in his life. And so the younger brother, being so young, didn't understand yet everything that was happening. And there was one night that there was a knock on the window in the middle of the night, and it terrified him because he was so young. And he told his parents and then found out it was his older brother trying to sneak into the house. So they would get into an argument. But one day, it really just escalated, and uh, the family was together. And the older brother was in his room, and he was asleep on the bed. And they were trying to wake him up, and he wouldn't wake up. So they kept pushing and pushing and pushing. Finally, he did wake up, but soon they realized he was on something. And then instantly, he pushed his sister out of the way. He pushed the, uh, the younger boy's father out of the way, and he ran through the house, ran through the kitchen, and right outside the door, and the little boy was in the kitchen. And he watched him just walk out. And he watched him just walk down the road, and he didn't know if he would survive. He didn't know if he was going to come back. He didn't say anything. He just left. And so the younger brother at this time was having a hard time understanding what was going on in his life. So he had this resentment and this anger, but he never told anybody. And so it started to build up. And it became very difficult for him for his time. And I realized something. That when it comes to grace, you've probably noticed this. These are my kids. And then I have another family picture. If you could put that on the screen, please. Um, this is my family, if you didn't know. That's my wife. She's pretty. Um, <laughs> last Thanksgiving. But um, I realized, here's what we do. We, we like to put pe people in our, our picture, like in our frame. Right? And, and, and our frame represents what we focus on. I love these people to death. That's my family. 
I will always show them grace. I will always do whatever I, I got to do to make sure I provide and love them and, and care for them. And it's easy because they're so amazing. And, and you feel that way maybe with your family or your, your children or you have people right in the frame that you will always show grace to. But what God revealed to me is this. For some of us, we've cut people out of that frame. In fact, for some of us, we've cut people out of the picture, and they're no longer in the picture. They're no longer in the focus of our grace ever. And for us, it's hard to even see them at the table of Jesus because we have cut them out for what they have done to us, for what they have said. Maybe it was a brother or sister for you who hurt you betrayed you. Maybe it was a friend. Maybe it was a spouse or an ex-spouse who left you. And you're saying, God, I could never, ever put them back in a picture of grace. How could I do something like that? They don't deserve it. And it's real. And it's hard. How, How do you show grace when it's that difficult? And so, yes, Jesus taught about don't be a hypocrite. Don't condemn, but he also shared this amazing, powerful story that will change your life called the prodigal son, and it's powerful. So for the rest of the sermon, I'm going to be in Luke chapter 15. But Luke chapter 15, 11 through 13 states, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, father, give me a portion of goods that fall to me. Give me my inheritance. I want it now. And the father divided them up for his his son. And not many days after, it states that the younger son gathered all together and journeyed to a far country. Now listen, there he wasted his possessions with prodigal living, meaning sexually immoral living, and he became very unhappy. Some of you need to write that down. What the world says will complete you, will break you. What the world says will bring you all this happiness will actually make you depressed. He went after it. He took everything that he had in the moment and chased the culture, chased the world, spent it all and had nothing left. And if you know the story, you know that he got so low that he started to envy pigs for what the pigs were able to eat because he wasn't able to get food. He was broke. He had spent everything that he had. And because of that, listen, he lost his identity. And maybe that's you today. Maybe you have been through something so, so hard and so difficult, and you made so many bad choices today, you feel like you don't have an identity. And if that's you, this message is for you, because you are a son and a daughter of Christ. I'm telling you, you are a son and a daughter. And so this is what Jesus stated. Or actually, let me, let me show this first. Luke 15, 18 and 19, he stated, I will go to my father, and I will say to the father, I have sinned against heaven, I've sinned before you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. I've done so much wrong, no longer should I be called your son. And then Jesus taught us two things about grace when it's hard. The first point is this, to focus on grace, you must focus on God. To focus on grace, you must focus on God. Here's a shocking truth about this story. The prodigal son is not the main character. It's the father. 
The father is the main character. It is all about the father and his behavior and his reaction because I want to help you understand that in this time, in this culture, for a son to ask for his inheritance before the father had passed, that was a slap in the face. That was very disrespectful. In fact, that's like saying, you're dead to me. Give me my stuff. Give me my stuff. Yet look at the way the father reacted through all of this. He showed him grace and mercy. He said, okay, let me give this to you now. And there are some times in your life that God is going to give you what you think you want, what you think you need, just to see how miserable it really is. So that you have a chance of grace and mercy to come back, be forgiven, and be renewed and restored. But sometimes we have to learn the lesson the hard way. But when you focus on God, listen to this, grace will always overcome offense. When you focus on God, grace will always overcome offense because the spirit of offense is one of the self-inflicting spirits that will torture you if you do not learn how to show grace. And you may be saying, but pastor, how do I show grace? They really hurt me. I mean, I was, I was close to them. Like, this wasn't just a distant relationship. They were in the family. Or maybe you were married. Or maybe you had all these things and you said, God, I just don't know how to get there. How do I even say the words? You look to God. Because in Luke chapter 23, upon a cross, Jesus had the authority and the power to take people out. And you know what he said? In verse 34, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Jesus knows what it's like to be tortured and persecuted and hurt and hated on. Yet he, the Son of God, said, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And God is telling you to do the same. Because again, it's not up to you to get revenge. It is up to you to give it over to God so that you can be healed. It's time, right? It's time. What are you going to do? Take it to your grave? You're going to hold on to it that much? Is it, is it that important to you? To always feel that hurt and that pain? To take it to your deathbed? Is that how you want people to remember you? Or do you want people to see Christ? So we have to look to God and see what he did. And we see this out of Luke 15 too. Verse 22 through 24. The son comes home. He doesn't feel worthy enough to be a son. But what do we know? The father's arms were wide open. And he celebrated. His father said to the servants, quick, Bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. Kill the calf. We've been fattening, for we must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and now returned to life. He was lost, but now is found. And what I love about the story is that the son, the prodigal son, also recognized his sin. It's a lot like David. When David cried out to God, he said, I recognize my rebellion. And so this is true repentance. This is saying, God, I recognize what I did was wrong. My identity is not in my sin. My identity is in you, and I'm ready to move away from that. And I'm ready to be cleaned 
and transformed and renewed. But it's in that moment when God just wraps his arms around you and you don't deserve it, that it changes you. Because nothing you did got you there. It is only by the grace of God that it happens. And so my last point is this, truly, we talk about happiness a lot. To truly be happy, or true happiness is dying to self. You wanna know the secret to happiness? <laughs> dying to self. I guarantee you, every root problem or every problem in your life right now has a root tied to selfishness. Every bit of it. Because when, when the frame is only you and you cut people out of that, when you cut people out of that grace and forgiveness, it will always be a problem. And the older brother didn't understand that either. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. And the father came out and begged him, but he replied, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to do. And all that time you never gave me one young goat for a feast with my friends. Do you see that both brothers were battling the same spirit? Both of them, listen, were immature in their faith because both of them were still in the give me stage with God. The only difference is that the older brother didn't leave. That is the only difference because the younger brother said, give me my inheritance. What did the older brother say? Give me a celebration. Recognize me. And I love what the father says. Verse 31, he said, look, dear son, you've always stayed with me. And how do you not understand that everything that I have, it's already yours. Everything that I have, I don't have to declare this. It's yours. You're my son. It's your inheritance. It is for you. Everything that I've done for you has been by grace and mercy. And because of that grace and mercy, it will overflow and you will be blessed in what you have because it comes from me. Because if you notice too, in in verse 17 of Luke 15, the younger brother, when he came to God, it says that he came to himself, meaning he searched his heart. And so when you show grace, you allow God to search your heart. And I love this out of Psalm chapter 139, verse 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Sometimes it can be difficult to show grace. But when we allow God to search us, when we say, God, we're willing, we're ready, there are things that have been hidden. And behind here, don't laugh at me, there's a picture of that little boy put it on the screen but it's me and for a long time I had a hard time forgiving my brother it just seemed it was difficult every time he was home but I remember one night at a church camp in my anger God just said let it out and I remember being outside and, and staring at the sky for the first time, God said, release it. Life isn't always perfect. 
who God is. And I remember forgiving and just really letting it go. And there was such healing and there was such peace. And I wrestled with sharing this story today because the story's not over. I actually argued with God, I don't want to share this. I don't. Because my brother's still an addict and he still struggles. But he knows when we talk, I show him love. I show him grace. He knows that I will always call him my brother. And trust me, I'm not perfect. I've said things I wish I didn't. I've been harsh at times. I wish I wasn't. But God revealed to me that it's not my job to fix things. It is my job to give it over to God and show grace and love and mercy because he shows me that every day. And believe the impossible. And believe in what God is doing. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. If you've been blessed by this message, be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss future messages. And if you feel led to give to this ministry, check out the link in the description and see the other ways you can get connected.